1: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. On today's episode, we're discussing Octane, a game about survivors living all cool in the post-apocalyptic ruins of America, mostly while arguing over who gets to be Jimmy Falcon and who has to be Mel Gibson again. Is it burning chrome against the desert knight, or is it a, uh, a bad post-apocalypse cyberpunk thing? Find out on today's System Mastery. Everybody, welcome back to uh, System Mastery. Hey, you know, before we get started today, John, no one gave us any money but ever. Ever, no one has. No one has ever given me a dollar.
0: <laughs> I've I've done this for free for ten years, and I'll keep doing it for what's free.
1: Was that fucking politician quote? That was it was like a celebrity quote that was so fucking. Oh funny. yeah, it it's
0: like, like oh, I grew up on w- welfare, welfare and, food, and stamps. food stamps, and no one ever gave me a handout. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't remember. Was some celebrity? Yeah, I don't remember. It's fucking funniest thing anyone's ever said. Some the yogi Berra of conservatism. Yes. Uh, anyway, I wanted to bring up, bringing that, uh, speaking along the exact same lines. Obviously, obviously, yogi Berra of conservatism. I wanted to mention that uh, our friend Rob has his game finally out and in stores. Oh yes, friend of the show, Rob. If you, if you could talk to that for a second, because I was never really a part of it. I just know it exists.
0: <laughs> yeah the uh, the Orpheus Protocol. Yeah. is out. It's finished. You can go get it now. It's great. I say it's great because I've played it and I've been on the show. And anything I touch is gold. <laughs> no other reason. It's not the years of dedicated work and playtesting that went into the game. No. It's me. It's you. <laughs> yep. It's always been you. It's my golden touch. <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, you're so money, and Rob Stith probably knows it.
0: <laughs> probably,
1: yeah. So anyway, that's Orpheus Protocol, and I think it's on Drive Through RPG and Itch, or at least one of the other. Yeah. And if you were a fan of John's appearances on that back in the day, the RPG is finally here. And again, this isn't a this isn't an announcement mastery. It was just a thing we thought would be nice to do.
0: Yeah, it's just out there. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, and you know, unlike other Kickstarters and things that have a bunch of shit right now that are along the same lines. You know, I've actually played this one, so yeah. there you go.
1: Yeah, it's a ringing endorsement from John, who only had to be reminded.
0: <laughs> I never have to be reminded of anything. That's, you didn't have to remind me. That's true. We could have said nothing. I could have left you alone. <laughs> you could have just let me be, <laughs> and let me be me, now let me see.
1: <laughs> so, uh, how you doing? We don't have to do any of the music stings and back to the shows, because, again, not an announcement no, matter.
0: No, no one paid us for <laughs> yeah. that. How you doing? I'm doing fine with all this fresh money. I'm just going to pocket right now. Shit, did you just get some money? <laughs> no, no. I've never even seen money. I don't even like money. I don't even know what money is. What Late, are you
1: talking about? Later in the White House. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, what the fuck? So, but you're doing good. I'm doing, I'm doing great.
1: Are you ready to play? <laughs> I'm ready to play. Good. Okay, so... uh well, yeah, we're going to discuss octane. Indeed, octane. Octa- mm. Octane. Mm. I'm not sure what that even means.
0: Yeah, octane, where the only capital letter is the N in octane for some reason. Yeah. And I know that the author put, like. Is that for, like, nitrous? No, it was just I was doing some research and I wrote down octane and I thought making the N capitalized looked cool. Oh. That's
1: it. So it's like a marketing decision. Like the kind of re- the, how you end up with things named like ebook or whatever. Sure, fine.
0: Yeah, it was just oh, I thought capitalizing the end made it look cool. Okay. And I thought it looked cool is basically the entire ethos of this game. Yeah,
1: you know, that's why I'm just saying okay instead of saying that's fucking stupid or anything. Fine, it's fine. I don't care. Game's little. You can afford to do to do silly things in a little game. It's a little game. And it's from 2000. <laughs> and it's its birthday. It's its birthday. <laughs> it's, just it's just a little game. We have to be nice to it. <laughs> Also, it's the mayor. You can't do mean stuff to the mayor. Don't you hurt
0: the mayor. <laughs> oh,
1: Christ. It's written by a fellow. It's uh, from the year 2000. The year 2000. And written by a fellow by the name of Jared Sorensen, which means that this is not our first time dancing with a book by this author. He also wrote Inspectors. Indeed. Which we have we have previously covered on the show. Uh, in this book, we get a little bit more of a backstory about the man himself. He mentions at the beginning, uh, he has a couple of thank yous that go out to people. And we recognize a couple of those names. They include John Wick um, from, you know, 7th Sea fame and a lot of worse stuff. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and,
0: you know, just, the other, just, just bad the, stuff. And, and the rest of it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, probably the biggest thanks going out to, I think, Ron Edwards. I guess. Which is the thing you could still see around 2000 when this book came out. Because this is Out of That Forge. That that big RPG forum thing that I have never understood, because I no. didn't really start paying attention until after it was gone.
0: Yeah, no, I never gave a fuck about the Forge uh, when it was a thing, and I don't care about it now, but boy, does everyone else in RPG shit care about Everybody it. Everybody our age in RPG shit
1: does, because oh, they got sure. on board before we did, so they're all like, yeah, I know everything about whatever GNS theory. Hey, maybe that's why the N is capitalized. Maybe this is an end game. Maybe this is what,
0: maybe he wanted this on the end gauge.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was hoping to get it on the then hit property the end gauge.
0: Yeah. I mean, this whole game screams of someone our age in the year 2000. It's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wild how much you're like, oh, you you watched, you know, Six String Samurai Boy, and decided. Ever. This is my personality now. Yeah. God. Look, I watched I... Six String
1: Tha- Samurai around 2000 and I was like I really wish you hadn't put a shrieking
0: kid in this. I mean, look, I definitely had a friend in high school who was like a shrieking kid. <laughs> who was a shrieking kid? Ah, he'd say. <laughs> and oh then... the, and how we'd laugh. <laughs> oh oh and how we loved it. <laughs> no, I mean, I had a friend in high school who was like, "Oh, Buckaroo Bonsai, Six String Samurai. I love all of these quirky movies." And then he would show these movies to us, and we'd all very politely be like, yes, that's lovely.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: Yes, I see. He's dressed like Buddy Holly because he represents Buddy Holly. Wow. What's his name? It's Buddy. Okay, yeah, thanks. The deep symbolism here. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I have you here to give me these... These notes
1: that I would otherwise not get. Well, before before anyone comes after us for insulting what I'm assuming is an extremely important 10 in the world of kind of Psycho Billy-style uh, cheap budget
0: movies... I do want you to know that I am making the jack-off motion as hard as I can right now. I'm rolling
1: my eyes at the very concept of you.
0: <laughs> I need you to know that I hate you and everything you
1: stand for. <laughs> I was going to say is I haven't seen it since like 2000, so maybe it's good and I just forgot.
0: I mean, here's the thing. A lot of those types of movies. I'm like, sure, man, I don't dislike them. Like, you know, Six String Samurai and Buckaroo Banzai are, in my opinion, basically like, oh, it was the next generation's Monty Python thing where you're like, oh, it's a fun little thing that I've seen that not a lot of other people do. It's a great shorthand to be like, hey, here's a quote from that. You also know it we're friends because we know this little thing. And then after that, it became the fucking portal cake thing. And there's always something that gets a niche bit of recognition that then gets too much recognition, and then it goes to the next thing. All
1: pop culture is making an inevitable slow death march towards Hot Topic t-shirts.
0: Basically, yes. Yeah. That is the, the entire journey of, I like this thing, and other nerds like it. And then someone goes, Wait a minute, are you telling me there's a group of people that like something? Let's plaster that shit around. I don't know if that's, that might be an, too old
1: of a reference for Hot Topic to be like, that's where, where uh, the properties that you liked as a kid and thought you were special for liking goes, go to die. Well, you know, if you're like, me and my my uh, my boyfriend, we've got a real Harley Quinn and the Joker relationship. Uh, yeah, great, that's going to be a Hot Topic. You're going <laughs> to see the chokers that say pudding on it. If you still are dressing as Sally Shears for every Halloween, Hot Topic's got you covered. But I, I think it might be that, that uh, that's a dying brand and it might be Funko Pops now. Huh? All, all things are a slow death march towards having their own Funko Pop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Funko Pop. God
1: damn you. <laughs> or whatever they call those, those silly Funko Pops they make for like YouTubers. Or if you're watching like a YouTuber channel and they'll be like, buy this ugly thing that doesn't look a thing like me, but it's kind of vaguely got
0: the same color of hair. I mean I know that there is a make your own plush thing that a lot of people have been doing. Is that that's a new one on me. I'm I've been watching
1: a lot of long form video reviews even in in genres that I don't necessarily have any interest in just because I like long form video reviews. I find them relaxing. Uh-huh. So I've been watching some lady talk about uh cozy lesbian anime. Great. Quite a bit which again, ecchi or whatever you call it is not really my my specific genre. It's just I like listening to her, t- to her talk about it, and I find it a fascinating topic that I don't have any strong opinion about. Uh-huh. Um, but every once in a while, anyone in the genre will hold up what looks like a Nendoroid and be like, these are called Zoomies or something. And they're like, special YouTuber only, little figure guys you can have. Great. Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, You can't get one of Jeffrey Falcon from Six-String <laughs> Samurai.
0: The, the other thing about this being so incredibly 2000s, is in addition to that exact level of like, oh, I'm a nerd that likes these specific movies and the Forge stuff. Is it also has just a big smattering of that early 2000s internet monkey cheese stuff? Where oh, it's like, yeah, there's talking monkeys and and they're they know kung fu and they're ninjas and there's. There's a piece there's of a, delivery. There's luchadors, and I'm just throwing anything I think is goofy in and here. It's
1: like early smash-up or something. And I just realized I said Sally Shears when I just meant regular Sally.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Because Sally's the character from Nightmare Before Christmas, and Sally Shears is the character from Neuromancer.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I don't think anyone's dressing as as uh, Sally she- from Neuromancer. Most people are doing the you know, the I mean, blue, you don't know. The blue Frankenstein. I mean, I've been out to, to places on Halloween. <laughs> I, I don't see a lot of Neuromancer. I, I, if I If I... Could, I'd see a lot more, like, Rivieras
0: and cases and stuff. That'd be rad. <laughs> I mean, does Sally Shears have a good enough, like, strong enough aesthetic that you would be able to pick that out? I would say that she's probably
1: seminal in in the uh, in, in cyberpunk design. She's wearing, like, cyberpunked in wraparound mirror shades. Like, uh-huh. they're stuck on there. They're part of her. And she's the first person I know of to have the, the retractable finger razors. She is the razor. She is the archetypical razor girl. She was like the first one. Great. So I think that, yes, theoretically, if you're going to a place where cyberpunk is a popular enough thing that someone can dress up as a cyberpunk thing, then dressing as Sally or Molly or whatever her real name is, I forget, is probably a thing that would happen. Okay. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. Everything's awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. Love it.
1: Yeah. Um, Anyway, this game, yeah, has a big old dose of monkey cheese and fun facts. I think you'll think are cool that are very from that era. Like there's, Multiple entries in here about how neat, like, uh, what do you call them, uh, megatherium, gr- giant ground sloths Yes, are. There's two full paragraphs randomly separated throughout the book where he's just like, look, these things were so cool, you guys.
0: This thing could rip a fucking bus in half. Ugh.
1: Both times it's these things could kill a, a saber-toothed tiger in one swipe. Yeah. Which, you know, for a very brief time during the Amer- the uh, North American Interchange, yes. But otherwise they independently evolved on different continents. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, the it's real weird going through this, because it feels like a lot of this is very much like, oh, I like these things, and I made a game about the things I like. Yes. And there's a level of that which feels kind of like, all right, it's very self-indulgent, but then there are little hints throughout where you're like, the author knows that it is very self-indulgent yeah and you have some very tongue-in-cheek things where it's talking about like oh here are the influences of like oh you know judas priest and rob zombie and all of the and white zombie and all of these various musical things that i think count as rock and should be in this of course anything that came out after i was in high school does not count as rock music yes and you're like okay i get it you're being very
1: tongue-in-cheek well that's one way we know that this guy is not a nerd of the same age as us because he graduated high school like and i'm an old i'm an old man already but he graduated like 10 years before me mm. so he i think he said he graduated in 1990 which meant that uh he said any music any rock music from after 1990 sucks and does not count as rock and roll and you shouldn't use it and i was like wow that's a bold statement to cut nirvana out of your entire state
0: well of course because yeah. that's not rock that's grunge. grunge
1: i know but I do, it's definitely tongue-in-cheek because when you look at his list of music you should listen to for your your, uh, your thing, it's alphabetic, and the very first
0: recommendation on there is the Aquabats. Oh, yeah, that's one of those yeah. things where you're like, uh, I'm sorry, you have an entire thing that's like, it's the grungy post-apocalypse, and everyone's driving around, and you get the Red Elvises and Johnny Cash, and yeah. also the Aquabats, and you're like, I'm sorry, the what now?
1: <laughs> Third Wave Ska was one of the things that survived, and specifically uh, them, maybe the hippos, I don't know.
0: Yeah, but- when you're like, oh, sure, okay, I can I can do that, and then they're like, also Dick Dale, I'm like, all right, you want some rockabilly surf rock surf, shit in yeah, there? that makes sense. But yeah. then when it's like, Parliament Funkadelic and the Aquabats are here, you're Okay, cool.
1: I almost wish Parliament wasn't cuz as much as I fucking love Parliament, the only st- you get the one reference to like Soul Man is one of the archetypes you can play as in this and you're like, "Oof, buddy, ouch." Hey guy. Maybe maybe <laughs> maybe dial it back. Hey, hey guy. <laughs> the Soul Man archetype is C Thomas Howell and he needs to go to college, <laughs> but his dad won't pay for it. How will he get there? Ooh, you don't want to know. The answer may surprise you. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, anyway, it, yeah, it, it's neat that you get the, uh, the influences worn on the sleeve about what he likes and what he likes is six string samurai. He's going to mention it so often that you'll get tired of it. And even when he does a, things, aren't specifically saying just like in six string samurai, he'll instead be like, what are some things you might want to dress your character up in? How about a rumpled tuxedo? a pair of horn-rimmed Buddy Holly glasses, a white Fender Stratocaster, and a katana.
0: You're like, I get it. I get that you like that movie. I mean, even at one point he's like, oh, maybe maybe your your PCs will see death show up. And he looks like Slash because like it's fucking six-string I, samurai. I get that movie. <laughs> I mean, at least in that
1: case, he was like, when death shows up, you might look like uh, death from Sandman or death from Bill and Ted. Yes. <laughs> I think there was at least one other that was just a classic uh, in- incarnation of death. But yeah, it was mostly just those. Yes. Um, but anyway, to get to what the game actually is, it is very much a narrative structure game where you don't have stats necessarily. You have a couple points invested in things, but you don't need to know how strong your character is. It's, on the other hand, it's pretty much against that sort of thing. It's like no one has ever been impro- improved a story about their game by telling you how much their character could lift which is something I have said thousands of times <laughs> I'm on record
0: as agreeing uh, uh, as agreeing with this guy. It's so weird. Cause when you, I started out reading this and it was like, I oh, want a, a grimy post-apocalypse thing where people drive around in fucking muscle cars and motorcycles and everyone's dirty and they've got a katana and, but there's talking cars and talking apes and luchadors. And you're like, okay, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I want it to be very permissive on storytelling aspects, and I want everyone to be able to have the ability to control the narrative. And I'm like, oh, that was, that was odd. I wasn't expecting that, but that's great, thanks. I'm, te- I'm telling
1: you, I don't think it's an accident that the N is capitalized in the name. I think that was literally him laying it out for his forge buddies. This is an N game. You like N? ends the game. It's narrativist, because you control the narrative. Uh, Literally, the only mechanic in this game is who controls the narrative right now.
0: Yes it's uh i mean it starts with a lot of like hey what type of game do you want to play in like different modes so it talks about like oh do you want to do like psychotronic stuff or do you want to do grindhouse or art house or cinema cinema verite hyper realism and it is (laughs) i mean it's definitely something where outside of the grindhouse one i was like oh all this is fine and then it was like in the grindhouse one, you should objectify women and yeah. then have everyone be like, "You get a a plot point if you get your tits out in game or out." And I'm like, "Don't do that! Don't 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 hey do man. that! No, hey hey, yeah. I really like what you're writing here, but don't do that.
1: Like hard pass on that kind of thing." And it does it, that section where he's like, "Here we're going to explain the different kinds of uh of story structure you can use." Like if you want psychotronic, by the way, is what Six Ring Samurai is to him it's
0: it's all like heightened fantasy B movie type yeah. of weird nonsense I mean he goes, required viewing is all of MST3K. And I'm like, mm, nope, nope, not all nope, of it. Nope. I don't feel like I'm going to get anything out of
1: watching fucking Starfighters again. Yeah, for, man. for my psychotronic game.
0: If I'm playing this game and I'm like, guys, we need to do our research, Red Zone Cuba is the order of the day. Like, no. You can't
1: play a second of playing
0: as uh, the Six String Samurai if you haven't watched I Accuse
1: My Parents. EGA! <laughs> 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 Watch, watch out for smart. I mean, you do have to watch out for snakes, obviously. They yeah, might obviously. be giant snakes or man-eating jackrabbits. <laughs> Killer
0: cacti. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just tremors. They just put tremors in this because it takes place in a desert. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the start of that section, he does say, like, hey, I'm about to say some shit that is only for in the game. All right? So you know, this might, when I'm describing what happens in like a Grindhouse or a Cinema Verite thing, that's cool shit for in a game or in a story. But if you were to actually say that shit in the real world or think that shit in the real world, I don't even want to know you. Fuck you. That's pretty much where he's coming from.
0: It's just like, hey, twisted weird characters that are bad people. Those are great in Grindhouse. If someone's like, I respect that character and would like to be like them. You're a bad person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It doesn't work, but I get it. It's the same thing as like, it's that meme of the guy looking at the cool Warhammer figure that's shooting fascism is bad over his head. Yeah. You can never make a parody of fascism strong enough that fascists won't be like, hey, cool fascist.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plenty of people are like, yeah, you know, fucking Starship Troopers rules. I love those guys. They're the heroes. You're like, oh, okay. You yeah, did. they're the heroes. They live in a permanent murder state. That's what I want. <laughs> It's true. There is a difference between civilians and citizens. (laughs) God damn it. I Uh. wish I was from Buenos Aires.
1: (laughs) And I say kill them all. (laughs) That's what I'd say. (laughs) That's what I'd say. (laughs) But before you get, I am pretty fashy. So before you ask, no, I would not like to know more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So you go through the list and each one of those don't really have any rule structure to them. They mostly just tell you what your game expectations should be. So, for example, if you're playing in Grindhouse, you'll have things like objectification of women, uh, constant Lots of cheap blood. death. of
0: blood. Your characters aren't going to be good people. He's like, everyone should be a hero, except in Grindhouse, where you can be kind of a shit heel.
1: Yeah, like if you're playing in Psychotronic, you're going to have a lot of heightened reality and a lot of unreality. It's okay to put in aliens and talking monkeys and so on. Um, you're going to have a lot of stronger themes, because again, it's based largely on six-string samurai. So things like it's okay if the whole world is basically music joke archetypes. Yeah. So you've got like it's it's Buddy Holly being chased across the desert by the man in black, but the man in black is Slash. Yeah. Um. And the Red Elvises are there. They're that, just that hanging out. It's, it's fine. You can do that sort of that. That's perfect for what Psychotronic is. Everything is very metaphoric and realized. Yeah. Um. But you can also do you know extreme art house style where it gets deeply into metaphor and gets super weird. Yeah. Um, I assume psychotronic is also a great description for something I didn't see mentioned nearly enough in here, which is tank girl.
0: Yeah. But I thought that would get more. I mean, it is mentioned at least it's in the required, like viewing Yeah, list in the or film something. or TV tank yeah. girl is in there. And I'm like, good. Cause that's what it should be.
1: Yeah. But I wanted to see a little more of that. Cause that is so close to what you're wanting here. Yeah, a, a free spirit weirdo driving across a a ruined desert that doesn't that that's a post-apocalypse, but not in a way that needs explanation. In a cool vehicle, in a game where your character sheet is d- designed to look like a dashboard. Get out of town.
0: It should be like half the book. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I love that in the required reading and viewing section, there's an RPG section, and I'm like, oh. We've reviewed everything in the RPG section already. (laughs) Yes, we have. It was like, hey, what should you read for RPGs for this? Over the Edge, Car Wars, Feng Shui, Macho Women with Guns. I'm like, oh, well, good. We've done it. We should, and we shouldn't have, because we should have left Car Wars alone. (laughs) Nah, fuck (laughs) them. It's not a role-playing game. I've never regretted anything I've said. I don't regret it either. I just know that we shouldn't have done it. (laughs) Those are different. I do enjoy that for the video games, it's all just the... Oh, you know the demolition derby games. <laughs> so all like your Rogue full Trip throttles, Carmageddon,
1: Twisted Metal, Vigilante Eight, Rogue <laughs> Trip. Yeah, just all Star that Wars shit. Demolition. <laughs> uh, How many y- Fallout games were out by two thousand?
0: Uh, Brotherhood. One of, of Steel, them at least. Maybe
1: something like that. Yeah, I think the first one was out.
0: Now the the rules for this are very simple.
1: And I like them. There's a reason we're already 22 minutes in and we're
0: telling you what the rules are now. Because it is, if you are going to interact with a scene, then you will make a stunt roll. Uh, If you are making a stunt roll, then you will roll, usually, 3D6, and then take whatever the highest number is on the 3D6, and that will be your result. Now, this is, of course, assuming... Nothing else is happening. This is just a basic roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do that, then all that result is determining is who gets to dictate what happens. Yep. So a five or a six is whoever the player was that rolled it has total control over the scene. Yep. Uh, if you roll a four, you have partial control, but the GM can make, you know, little things where they go, okay, I'm going to say that also this is happening. It's but you're yes like, and. You're controlling it, but I'm going to throw some stuff. Yeah.
1: Yes, and, and yes, but.
0: Yeah. Uh, The other direction, a three is the moderator, the GM in this, has partial control, uh-huh. but you can throw out things where you're like, yeah, but I'll respond in a certain way. Yeah. A one or a two is the moderator has total control over what happens.
1: Yes. And the rules are structured that it's not supposed to just be that that means a five, and or five a four, five, or six, or a success, and a one, two, or three, or failure. It's still done in service of story, so that the... If you're like, my character is the world's greatest stunt driver and he's just trying to jump this, this, uh, this bale of hay. You'll still get it, but you'll bottom out your car or something.
0: Yeah. On, the-
1: on a lot of these descriptions.
0: I mean, the big thing is, a one or a two where it's like, oh, the moderator has total control. The game does go out of its way to say, that just means the moderator decides what happens. If they want to say, yeah, you succeed, you beat up the whole biker gang. They can do that because they have total control. Maybe get your tits. I'm kidding. It only does that once. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's one of those things where he's like, if it's more interesting for the story or more in character for what's going on and the moderator wants to move the story in that way, a one or a two doesn't mean that you have to fail. It just means you don't get to say how you succeed or fail. Yeah. In the same way, he's like, if you have a five or a six and you think it would be more interesting for like oh, I think it would be cool if they take my character like hostage or they knock me out or something like that because mm-hmm. I want to see how the game would progress that way. You have total control. You can do that on a 5 or a 6. Yeah. So it's not a like binary pass-fail as much as it is who gets to decide how something plays out. Right.
1: Now, the odds of rolling a 5 or a 6, just one of them, on 3D6 is pretty good. Yeah. So how do we make this so that you aren't constantly just having the players make up whatever they want? Hazard rating
0: which then twists it fully in the other direction where you're like, oh, any amount of hazard rating fucks your chance of being able to do anything. So if you have a hazard of one, like if you're fighting a fairly badass
1: thug or or gang guy or whatever you want to say, mutant armadillo, who knows? You're fighting something and it's pretty damn dangerous that you can give it a hazard rating of whatever you want. But let's say you give it a hazard rating of one just for brevity's sake. Uh, That means now you have to discard your highest die. Yep. So you roll 3d6 get rid of your highest die and then whatever's whatever's the highest among what you have left is what you roll yeah and you can get hazards there's no cap you can do them
0: whatever makes sense well it's up to six up to six there is a cap there is a cap it's six and um (laughs) though generally speaking you are almost always going to be like oh you probably hard cap at a three yeah if you're a imagining this is going to be something that's done by a single character.
1: Yeah, because you're about to say well, hard cap of six and you're rolling three dice what the fuck? How would that possibly work? Well, let's keep explaining. Uh, you can split the the hazard rating among all the active participants in a scene any way you would like to do. Yeah. So if there are four people making the stunt roll and you're fighting a, I don't know, a kaiju or something that has a hazard rating of four, then you can say, everyone here is going to take hazard one, that adds up to four, everyone's going to use their second highest die on their 3d6 roll.
0: Or, if or, you're like okay, we really want to be able to affect this, you can be like, hey, this is a hazard rating three thing. It's real fucking dangerous. I will take all three hazard points. You can have no hazard for you. Basically saying, I'll distract him and you sneak up behind him. Yeah,
1: I'll throw myself in the maw of the the sandworm and then you get in there and stab him in the back.
0: Now, if you do have hazard rating equal to or more than your dice, you have to now spend plot points, which is a currency in this, To even be able to roll at all. Yes. So if you have three hazard and you've got three dice, you're not even rolling. It's an automatic one. Yeah. Uh, If you want to be able to roll and see something happen, uh, plot point, you can normally spend these to add a die, Uh which without hazards is just now I'll roll like four dice and take the highest. Yes. Uh, With hazards, you're like, well, now I'll roll four and hopefully my lowest die isn't a one. Yeah. But, uh... It's the only way you can get anything that isn't automatically a one, with a three or more. That's right.
1: So, um, once you've got... Now, plot points is the only other major thing you really need to know about, is the currency of plot points. Uh, you start the game with one. And the other thing about plot points is, if you start a scene, and your character's not describing an awesome thing they're already doing, then you're sitting back and watching. So, if a, if a fight breaks out, and two of the characters immediately are like, I break a, t- a leg off this table and go swinging in at the at the uh, bikers that just waited in. And another one's like, I uh, jump behind the bar and start throwing bottle the most expensive bottles I can find at them. And the third person says, I put my feet up and drink my beer. Yeah. Then the other two get to roll. You don't. But if in the middle of, the- middle of that sequence you decide, actually, I do want to be in, you should have jumped in when you had the chance. Now, when you want to contribute to the scene, you have to spend plot points to buy even one die.
0: Yeah, you have to spend a plot point basically to join the scene at this point Uh uh-huh uh and it it's there to be like oh we encourage people to be engaged in anything like if a scene is happening we don't want someone to be like i'll wait and see what happens like no this is a whole game about just balls to the wall action so if something starts happening we want you to be engaged and if you aren't then you should pay something to come in later.
1: It also has the effect of not, of making it so if someone's out of the scene for like a reason and then they decide they want to be in they're like, "Well, I was out in the uh, the uh, outside fixing the car. Well, it's going to take you a minute to get inside and be a part of this, so you're going to have to buy your way in." Yeah. That kind of thing. Um it's fine. How do you earn plot points? Uh by rolling a 5 or 6 uh yeah. on, on a on any die during your roll. Now uh, the th- this is going to tie into something called styles, which we'll get into after this.
0: Yeah. If you get a 5 then you get a number of plot points equal to whatever the style you were using for your roll. Yeah. uh, Because you'll have a rating in a style between zero to three. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you get a six, then you get that number, whatever your style is, plus one. So no matter what, even if you're doing a style you don't have any points in, getting a six on a roll will give you one plot point.
1: Yes. So styles are basically the tools. they're, They're what you would normally refer to as the attributes in any other game yeah uh they are the the levers by which you interact with the world uh they are there are six of them and i only remember two off the top of my head and i have the book in front of me so thankfully i can tell that john does yep the ones i can remember off the top of my head are might and magic and i know there's also like
0: yeah might and magic are the two that are mutually uh, exclusive yeah they're mutually exclusive and they're not necessary because those are both weird things yeah so if you have might It could be because you're, you know, you're a mutant with, you know, super bulletproof skin or you're able to, like, lift up a truck. And if you have magic, generally it's just, you know, I have magic, like literal wizard shit. Yeah. Uh, So you don't have to have either of those. But if you don't put any points in them to start, you can never have them. Because you either, at the start, are like, I'm a wizard, or I'm a weird mutant, or you aren't. Yeah. Uh, Which is weird, because mutating feels like it's something you should totally be able to do. It does feel like that. It it very much, when that happened, I was like, huh, that's odd. Because I feel like there's a lot of genres and stories that are like, Anyway, a normal guy then became super-powered or learned something.
1: Oh, sorry, Luke, I would love to teach you how to be a Jedi, but you didn't
0: start one, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, you've got the, uh, the base roles for, like, what you normally get, is you can do a thing that is daring. Uh, daring is usually, like... Uh, like the high energy, I'm going to jump off the top rope, I'm doing something physical. It's a daring action. You can do uh, something with ingenuity. Uh, The smart things. You can do something where you're like, oh, I'll think up a plan, or I'll make up some way to get around this. Uh, There's charm. Yeah. Which is, you know, just talking your way through stuff. Yep, just being cool. And then there is... uh, I think it's craft yes. is the last one, where it's actually making a thing.
1: Yeah, you, fi- you, you fix the thing through gear or by making something or setting a trap, anything that involves interacting with with parts in your environment. Yeah. So, uh, when you create a character, you pick one of 45 archetypes the book comes with. Or and, make your or own. Or make your own. And all of the archetypes recommend which uh, of those styles are probably the most important for that archetype.
0: Well, the you have to put at least one point in yeah. one of those styles. Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, you get three points to spend and you can spread them out however you wish um, with that one caveat that we already mentioned that if you don't invest in might or magic at the start, you can't later. Yep. Uh, but you can put as many, you can put all three into charm if you want, but you can also put one into each of three things and spread
0: your abilities out. And the thing is, it doesn't make it any better. Like if I have three points in charm, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm the face of the group and I'm the only one who ever talks my way out of stuff. It just means, if I get a five or a six, I get way more plot points back yeah. because I'm doing the thing that, like, this character seems like they should.
1: If you put all your eggs in one basket in this game, mm. you are strongly incentivized to solve all of your problems with those eggs. Yeah. Um, i guess I'm with will swing basket, this basket at you. Yeah, you pretty much want to use that basket. Because if you're rolling on, if you're like, oh, I've invested all three points in magic because my character is a goddamn wizard and that's all he is. Then When later on, you're like, I'm going to talk my way out of the situation. You better be like, well, I'll start by casting a spell of glibness. <laughs> because if you roll charm and roll a five, you get nothing. You get no new plot points back. But if you just say that magic shit in the first place, you get three plot points out of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing with might and magic is, unlike the other uh, the styles that you can use, they have very weird, specific things you can do with them as well. Right. So, like, you can get out of hazards by using might or magic. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I'm going to try and use the fact that I've got bulletproof skin to be like, oh, there's a giant scorpion with a huge poisonous stinger. All right. Well, he can't get through my bulletproof skin, so I'll try and use that to negate the hazard on this thing.
1: Right. Yeah. So, um, but you can still, you can pull it off. I mean, I picked magic as a random example. I could have said craft yeah. where you're like. Uh, we need to talk our way past this guy. Great. I'll build a robot that's really good at talking and send that in there. Uh so anyway, uh that is most of the game's uh mechanics.
0: Pretty much. I mean, outside of the like plot points and hazards and whatnot, it's essentially just you're going to RP until something pops off, and then you're going to either roll 3D6 and take high, or if there's hazards, you'll change that. Right. Now, hazards as well, uh, a thing in the book is like, some of them are permanent hazards. So it might be like, you're fighting the biker boss. Mm-hmm. They're super like well-armed, they're very dangerous, they've got a hazard rating of one, and that's just permanently because they are a badass. Now, you might have a hazard rating of one that comes from, like, oh, a group of bikers jump you. Now, this group of bikers would normally not be a hazard, because who gives a shit? They're just chumps. Yeah. But they have the drop on you, so for this round, they are considered to have hazard rating one, because... They have surprised you. Yes. And then next round, they won't have that. You so also, you just have to deal with it once. Yeah,
1: and you can build, like, structural hazard points where you're like, well, this guy's wearing heavy armor, but if you overcome the hazard once, you can cut it off him, and now he doesn't have a hazard rating anymore. Yeah. Uh, so they're permanent. They're, are, they're a- built automatic. They're removable. Hazard points are just a way that you can kind of make the, the, the villains more interesting. Yes. So I guess we might as well talk about the—we don't have to go through all of them, obviously— but we might as well talk about the various ro- roles of the game, which are the, basically the classes that it starts with. Because they're a great way to get a sense of the genre that's suggested here, anyway. Well, yeah, I don't like mean the we, world.
0: Every role also has mm-hmm. a set number of things that are in each role. Oh, yes. So all of them have a name, uh, the role, whatever it is, uh, the profile, which is just a short description. Uh huh. A stamping grounds, which is generally, where do you find this in the post-apocalypse? I don't know about that. I always say stomping grounds. I always do as well, and I assume it's one of those champing slash yeah, chomping.
1: Where technically both of those are completely acceptable usages. Yes. If you will, I mean, specifically if you follow them with at the bit. Yes. I think other than that, champing and chomping have intentionally different meanings. Exactly. And but... I think
0: stamping and stomping grounds probably both work. Yeah stamping
1: grounds to me sounds like a place where you go to actually use like a stamp to stamp things You're these like, are the stamping grounds. The post office
0: is the stamping grounds <laughs> uh they all have a quote pass they all have a mode which is what type of game are they in like the Psychotronics cinema verite and so yeah, on a
1: lot of them are all but there are a few that are so weird that they only belong in one or the other
0: uh then what gear you'll generally start with the styles that they are associated with mm-hmm. and skills because two more things to talk about
1: that we pulled from doing that list yeah because one of them is gear yep there's uh, when it comes to gear you can say whatever you want for your stuff but you are allowed one piece of cool important gear
0: yeah because the rest of it is like if you want to say i've got a cool leather jacket and sunglasses anything that wouldn't change the actual play style of something be like one of my gear is I got a weird parrot. Does it do anything? No, it's just a weird parrot. Yeah. But if you want it to affect something, you want a car, you want a big shotgun, you want something that's like, oh, here's an actual item that affects things, yeah. you get one. And you can roll to start with more than one. You can spend I think you can spend a spend plot- spend your starting plot point if you want to get another and one. And you
1: still have to roll like one die and see if you get a five or six to see if you get it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, on a four, four five, five six, six on yeah. a plot point, you'll get it. But he was like, don't do that, though, because in-game, you could just find some dude who is selling things and be like, I would like to buy a shotgun from you, and then use a charm stunt.
1: (laughs) I understand why he put that rule in there. It's not just as a trap for people. It's because right away after he said that, he realized he was like, well, let's see. Let me give you a couple of examples. Obviously, uh, if you're playing as Max Rokotansky, then you're going to need your... 1978 Dodge Interceptor or whatever that thing is. Um, sorry, Mad Max heads. I, I don't remember the specific All you car. Max
0: heads out there. Yeah, All you I, Max headrooms.
1: Um, so he needs the car. And if you're playing as like El Santo the Luchador, you need his silver mask. And first, I was like, well, you just said clothes are completely free. You should give Santo something else. But, uh, and then he's like, but if you're playing as fuck, as uh, Buddy from Six String Samurai, well, you're going to need, oh, he's going to need his white fender Stratocaster and his special car and his Katana. Uh, so I think he right away realized he had caused a bit of a problem for himself.
0: Yeah. I mean, the big thing with the gear is they're like the, the stuff that isn't sort of plot gear, things you didn't pay a plot point for or choose the one that you start with is stuff that is completely transient. Like you could lose that and it's not going to change your character. Yes. You know, Losing your cool cowboy boots that you put on your gear isn't going to pop off a, like, giant quest to gain them back because these were the boots of your father and you must have them. Which helps with the whole El Santo thing, because the whole point to El Santo is that he never unmasked. Exactly. And if someone were to take his silver mask, you're like, yeah, that would be an entire huge plot point and a thing to go get back. Right. Except
1: that... I would want the opposite. If I were to say, look, I'm playing as El Santo, and I am saying my important item is my silver mask, it's because I'm saying, this shit has immunity. You are not going to
0: ruin the El Santo experience. This fucker can't go. Oh, yeah. And that is the other thing that he says is, anything that you paid for with plot points cannot be permanently taken away. You know, Mad Max can obviously, his car can break down. Someone might steal it. But he gets it back. Yes. That's the point. Yeah, that's exactly.
1: That's the whole thing with the El Santo is like, look, this is an important app Because otherwise I worry when I hear you can have one important piece of plot gear and it would be really important if that got lost, wouldn't it? I'm like, so you're fucking painting a target on it? Maybe don't. Maybe it should straight up just be this is the thing I have that you can't paint a target on. Yeah. uh especially in fucking 2000 that was like the height of bad dm advice the era
0: which i'll also say a lot of decent dm advice in this not this book's fault let's say that real quick no it is definitely a well i've been hurt before from games from 2000 yeah and i assume there are things but the fact that he's like no man if you paid a plot point for something or it was your one thing you start with you should have that yeah if you don't it should be a big fucking deal. Yeah. And it should be a one-time thing where you're like, yeah, that's the point of this story, is yeah. trying to get it back. I mean, this dude has
1: co-written a book with John Wick. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which means to me that he has first hand, up-close real-world experience with extremely bad DM advice. <laughs> uh no wonder he's so good at writing it now. He has seen how bad it can be.
0: I know where it can go.
1: Watch, they're still like the best of friends, and that's going to be the part of this that he's mad about.
0: Yeah, uh, everything else was fine. <laughs> I don't mind you making fun of my obsession with six-string samurai, but how dare you speak badly of my very best friend, Jonathan Witt. you'll come from my bright red ham and a cowboy hat, best pal. <laughs> uh
1: anyway the other thing to mention was uh skills yes you get a couple of skills to start your game off
0: yeah every one of them will have five skills that come with the role so if you are let's just say uh yes if you are like i'm a crusty sea captain is one of the roles Mm -hmm. so you could have like oh what skills do i start with sailing fishing navigation Sensing Storms, and Fisticuffs. So you get those automatically. Yeah. And then you can pick two more. Uh Uh-huh. Those are incredibly important because you can't do things unless it happens to deal with your skill. I mean, you
1: can, but you you can't do it with your, your free three stunt dice. Exactly. You can always buy your way into trying anything you want, but you're spending plot points for every die.
0: Yeah. So if you want to do something if you're like i'm this sea captain and i have all of those but i want to i don't know fix a car yeah like i i want to be a mechanic i don't have that skill so i have to roll dice only with plot points so i'm just going to be hemorrhaging my one currency of the game in order to affect something
1: yes now what this does mean is that the sillier the roll is uh the more likely it is that he used that skill list for jokes yeah, and that's going to make you unhappy. Like, for example, if you choose to play as a Capuchin monkey, because in this world—and we'll get to the world in just a second—before we wrap up the episode, uh, Alcatraz, the island in in, the, in San Francisco, uh, has been taken over by a race of hyper intelligent monkeys. Yep, they speak in broken English. They are largely Capuchins. Um, if you, they—they're also martial artists and inventors.
0: Yeah, because um, you have you have two different ones. You have Capuchins are sort of like the monks of this that turned Alcatraz into a monastery. Yes. And then you have, like, the great apes who can talk and walk around because he likes Planet of the Apes.
1: Yeah, I know. I, 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 there aren't two kinds of monkeys, because there's monkeys, and then there's apes. Yes. I'm not making that mistake. Um, but the, the Capuchin monkey's starting skills are Tai Chi, snippets of Kung Fu wisdom, uh, fitting in small spaces, and climbing. Yeah. So two of those, theoretically, are fairly useful. But you're like, well, I'm, I'm not going to hit a guy with Tai Chi. That's a stretching exercise. <laughs> uh, th-
0: yeah, but I assume he was like, Tai
1: Chi, that's some kind of martial art. got to be some kind of martial art. You should put Kung Fu there. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you picked two more, so you're going to be able to fix this problem that this character can primarily do snippets of Kung Fu wisdom, which is definitely a joke. There's no way it isn't. Um, and Tai Chi, which is the harmonious stretching and, and meditation exercise
0: funny because the one above that the badass mofo fu. which is just shaft yeah is you have mad kung fu skills with z. a z Ugh. yeah that that one
1: is like i wish the there's 45 roles they're published in here it could have been 44 yeah because that one is oh boy the quote is it's time to get down and get funky <laughs> the gear you honestly with, the
0: quotes for basically all of these all i'm like please don't <laughs> yeah uh,
1: quotes are always bad there's never good quotes in the game stop it no quotation marks um the the uh the gear is hip threads sunglasses a big fro a 45 magnum and big ass rings slash brass knives. slash brass knuckles yes yeah it's he didn't I, I know when he started the roll section he was like hey look a lot of this might be kind of of poor taste but only for playing in a game don't do this stuff in real life. And you're like, it's still bad. Yeah. It's still bad. If you did. It. I mean, here's the thing. If
0: you're like, it's yeah, shaft. dude, I want to be fine. fucking shaft.
1: Yeah. If you want to play exploitation, it's there. And it's, it's, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. They have, again, just some weird things in this. Like, I mean, I guess that will be in the setting thing. Like one of the, throughout the entire descriptions before it even tells you what they are. There are smart cars oh yeah smart cars are a big part of it and it's weird because he talks about smart cars before he explains what a smart car is uh-huh and as someone who's like what a smart car i know what that is you're like oh no he's thinking smart car like Night rider yes they're intelligent cars that follow an asimovian style three laws of
1: smart car robotics which have a hilarious missing piece to them uh, uh i don't know if you read those but yeah. at the very end they get the smart car and it's uh You can't allow harm to come to uh, your passengers. Yeah. You can't allow... And then the second law after that is you can't allow uh, harm to come to the passengers of other smart cars or other smart cars. And then the third one is try to keep yourself protected. Yes. Which means that it has nothing for pedestrians. No. Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah.
0: That makes perfect sense.
1: Um, But it does describe them as being mostly... uh, They're out of Detroit. That's their part of the world is... they're, they're, They're everywhere, but... They, they primarily run and own Detroit in and of themselves.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird to me that it's like, ah, oh yeah, they're hyper intelligent cars, but also they're all out of Detroit and they're like old style muscle cars. I just I just took two things and combined them. I wanted Knight Rider to actually be like an old Chevy Bel Air. Yeah, like I just finished watching Mask and I don't want to. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah, that's one of the neat things is that you can play as one. You can play as a loyal dog. It doesn't matter because the rules are so st- simplistic that playing as like a sheep or something isn't really going to mess up the game. Yeah, you have a set of skills you can. You have your stunt points you can contribute to. It, it, it you can play as literally anything. Yeah, the ones that I, I'm the ones that I think are interesting out of the rules, The ones where I'm still trying to figure out the specific reference that's being made. Uh huh. Like the the disco robot.
0: Yeah, the, that's the, definitely one where I was like, huh, okie doke.
1: Like, are those those, those, uh, Buddha faced robots from the Sticks Mr. Roboto videos? What are we doing here?
0: <laughs> yeah. The fact that it is a disco robot gigolo. Yeah. I'm like, huh. Okay. I mean, I guess if you were like, oh, I wanted to do something like the Cherry 2000 movie, but I, I'll, I'll do it with gigolos instead of ladies. Yeah. I guess that's fair. That's something. Could be. Yeah. But, cause a lot of it also comes from a a bunch of those, like, faster pussycat kill kill things yeah so you get a bunch of like high heel biker ladies as things you can be boy
1: boy how, how often does he describe hot goth babes in this <laughs> look man i get it i, I understand <laughs> i get i get the obsession man yeah it's fine but hot goth babe is one of the classes you can play it's one of the bad guys you're supposed to avoid out of what los angeles is nowadays <laughs> which is shangra la um yeah there's just a lot of that like I was at first, my first thought when I read the uh, the Disco Robo Gigolo was, "Oh, that's Jude Law's character from the movie AI." Ha! <laughs> but then I remembered this was written in 2000, and AI came out in 2001.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so it can't be that. But that was the that was the first thing that popped into my mind. I mean it it honestly
0: might be given that this thing's started as sort of a free on the internet game, and then. I think didn't get turned into this actual published form until 2002, mm. so there is sort of a two-year stretch where new things could have been added.
1: But who knows? Maybe someone's gonna come tell us after the episode that like we forgot about some some crazy some low fucking
0: 1979 arc, or, weird dumb bullshit or, movie.
1: Or it could be from the mid '90s, like fucking Tank Girl or whatever, or something like that. Where there's like, did you know that one of the characters in that is a sexy disco robot? And I'll be like, I didn't. Now I do. Thank you.
0: Great. So there you go.
1: But uh, yeah. All of the the cool stuff that he thought was neat about his world is playable. Um, Japanese superheroes, people who wrangle ostriches, because that's the last surviving meat meat, meat source is ostriches everywhere. Uh,
0: The luchadors, mutants. Yep. All that, all in here, because the base setting for this is a post-apocalyptic America.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Which intentionally does not have a past. That's important to the story structure.
0: Yeah. There's no explanation for what happened and there shouldn't be. Yes. And he's like, don't worry if you reference something that would be weird to be referenced. It's fine. You can be as anachronistic as you want. If you make a reference to a movie that probably shouldn't exist in this, it just does. Who cares? Yeah.
1: Part of the the 1950s affiliation with Rockabilly comes through in things like Roller Girls and uh, like RV-owning dads who are still like a straight-up 50s Ren and Stimpy-style dads. Yeah. Straight-laced G-men. So you've got those kind of those things lying out there as well, which is funny because, again, only like one Fallout game ah. to reference.
0: Well, I mean, this has a another thing, which is just anything east of the Mississippi just sort of doesn't exist. Yes.
1: I When I first read that, I thought that there was literally no Atlantic Ocean and that that became the the great what do you call what do you call that in mad max they have a word for that where you if you drive out to the ocean it's like just called the great dry now and it's just nothing for forever yeah um but i thought that's what he's describing like if you try and drive all the way to the atlantic ocean it's not there it's just more
0: land it just keeps going yeah i mean what he basically says is if you go east of the mississippi which it is very difficult to get over the mississippi anyway yeah but if you do manage it he's like uh oh, no one's ever returned no one knows what out what's out there Everyone thinks it's just road that goes on forever. Yeah. And you're like, great. He doesn't want to discuss it. It's fine. Which is weird, because he does have like... Anyway, here's what's going on in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> because all Because I need kaiju. You can go as far as
1: you want to the west. You just can't go east. And this is a flat earth. It's uh, You didn't mention that, but it's really important that this is set on a flat earth where, you, where eventually you just run out of east. Ah. Yeah. And yeah. Hawaii. Hawaii is an important... It's, it's Monster Island.
0: Yeah. Hawaii is... Also kaiju. Japan is kaiju, but also... It's super tech. Super tech. Yeah. Japan
1: is, is... it Did not... Thank goodness. Did not return to feudalism. And instead is just super tech. And the people who are in America from Japan in this are like tokusatsu superheroes. Yeah. Made me so happy to not see them as samurai who are running around collecting honor for their daimyo or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. The fact that he was like, nah, dude, just some fucking common writer asshole is going to come out of nowhere and punch a kaiju in the face. Yeah. But other than that, you know, they're super maglev trains and hover cars and, you know, mech suits. And I went like hyper futurist Japan instead of going like, oh, it's the post apocalypse. Everyone's a samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice.
1: Um, and then the the Pacific Ocean is de- uh, described as basically having flotillas of the the ancient giant ships of of, uh, of the old world being like lashed together to create floating cities.
0: Yeah, and then people
1: living out on those.
0: There's, you know, sea monsters and shit out there. Yep. Uh, You have Lost Vegas because that was in fucking Six String Samurai, and Mm -hmm. anything that was in that is in this. Shangri La. San Francisco is underwater and people dive to it. And uh, you've got uh, mostly. Outside of that, just a bunch of states combined into areas where it'll be like, uh, ah, here's the wastelands, and it's just Arizona, Utah, and Colorado. Yeah,
1: with one big exception for a major city fortress in Arizona called Arizona. It's just a big castle. Uh, Oklahoma and so on are just called free country, and it's mostly like homesteaders.
0: The new Texaco is New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, and northern Mexico.
1: And uh, Detroit, again, is Motor City now because it's taken over by smart cars. Yep. So... A lot of the world is the world that what was, it still has little echoes into the future. Uh, But it's just, it's whatever you need to make the post-apocalypse work the way you envision it.
0: Yeah, and if you, it's got a bunch of things where they're like, oh, if you want to do more like pulp adventure stuff, then Louisiana is basically all just crazy swamp area with like, dinosaurs and voodoo cults and whatnot because that's what he put in there yeah with new orleans uh now being called like new lands or something it's, uh all of louisiana is just noland
1: noland that's what it is yeah it's just there there a quick uh shorthand for that it's cool it's a neat setting it's very str- it's just a bunch of suggestions
0: but yeah you're like oh if you want to do anything in canada it's all winter all the time there it's the great white north you want to do uh jungle stuff Anything in Mexico and below is jungles. And also it's full of dinosaurs. Yeah. It's just, Hey man, did you want to do pulp adventure? Here are the various pulp areas you can go. Yeah.
1: Dinosaurs are back in a big way. A lot of them are super dangerous. Uh, A lot of them aren't. And also a lot of them are at risk of being killed by God. Do you guys know, know how fucking cool Megatheriums are? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. They have like pebbly skin and like thick bristly hair and giant paw claws. Yeah. Same. Yeah. (laughs) Your skin's not pebbly. Pebbly. Wonderful soft boy Frankenstein skin.
0: (laughs) I paid extra for the softest of soft boy skin. Uh, There's all the magic traditions, which is just various things from movies. So you have the Repo Men from Repo Men. Mm -hmm. Uh, The metallurgists. Which are just uh, metal. Rock and roll wizards. Yeah, just metal wizards. And they're opposed by the death metal guys. Yeah, you can have black metal mages. Yes. Yes. Uh, You have techno shamans, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's, I mean, basically all of the things in there, they, you know, they're going to like, oh, there's mutants. You might see like a giant mutant Gila monster, or you might play as like yeah, a humanoid them. mutant toad.
1: Yeah, like one of the roles is just the mutant trucker, which is just you're some kind of mutant that drives a cool truck, and you're good at it because the trucks have to drive across the wastelands where there's insane UV exposure, and you've got the right kind of skin to survive it, that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. At you know, and then just things like, hey, if you want to add other stuff in there, who gives a shit? If you want to throw aliens or whatever in here, go for it. Who gives a fuck? Uh,
1: there's a lot of alien shit that's already in there. Um, for example, uh, Tremors, uh, the the, uh, the graboids are here. They're just yep. called space slugs, but they are straight up just graboids. They even do the triangle mouth opening. Yep. Uh, but they're they they are from meteors that hit the earth a while back, and uh, they live out in the desert just like graboids ought to. And in a, a reference to both Tremors and Dune. There is a whole role that is dedicated to living out in the wastelands and surfing by by hooking onto them and riding the dirt wakes they leave behind.
0: Yes, indeed. And if you want to do, like, undead shit, like, great, you can throw vampires or mummies or whatever in here. Who cares? You, you can, can throw, throw John ghosts. Carpenter's
1: vampires and mummies and shit in here. <laughs> That's right. Dude, if his sequel to John Carpenter's vampires was John Carpenter's <laughs> vampires and mummies and shit. <laughs>
0: Come out of retirement, Carpenter. It's time. Uh, no, I like to think those are three different movies. John Carpenter's Vampires, Mummies, and Shit. John Carpenter's Shit. <laughs> yeah, John Carpenter's Shit. Which, hey, it's John Carpenter. It's probably fine. It's going to be okay. The score's going to be neat.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. And that's it. That's the game.
0: Yep, that's basically it.
1: So, that's all uh, you need. That's uh, I guess it's time to get into the favorites and least favorites. I feel like we're tailing out early, but it's a short book. So what you yeah. gonna do you
0: going to do? What was your favorite thing about Octane? I I mean obviously the one actual thing in this that's great which is the baseline mechanic of roll these 3d6 and see who controls the scene mm-hmm. and it's not a pass or fail it's just who controls it. I love that shit. It's great party game shit. It is great to just go like all right I'm going to throw this table at a guy. And you're like all right I'm going to throw a table, roll 3d6, what do I get? And then be like, oh, I can describe whatever I want. And it just has that sort of like, there's an understanding at the table that you can don't go. Anyway, by throwing this table, I have completely nullified every bad thing in this scene with my table-based physics.
1: Yeah, I boomeranged it around all the all the thugs.
0: I mean, it, that we didn't mention it, but one of the big things in here is no matter what you do, You cannot take control of someone's character. Yeah. So even if you have total control of your scene, of what you're doing, you cannot say someone else's character feels or does something. Yeah. And you cannot change something that's already true. Yes. So if it is raining in the scene, you can't be like, I pull out my gun and then it stops raining. (laughs) Like, you can't invalidate something that someone else has said. Yeah. So if you're like, I set the building on fire, you can't be like, anyway, the sprinkler's turn on and it's not on fire anymore
1: so i think you can modify yes like you can say like, things like the rain is starting to break and have that become a thing that's true or you can say things like the sprinklers are coming on but it, we're still on fire
0: yeah and you can't do things that are like oh that doesn't make sense so it's like oh if it's heavy raining you can't go and then i click uh like kick up a cloud of dust on my car You're like yeah it's raining that's not going to be yeah, a thing
1: Yeah, or you, yeah and you can't make use it to make things worse like the sprinklers come on and, oh, shit, someone filled these sprinklers
0: with gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, hey, do what you want, describe it, but don't, I mean, the big one is don't take agency from other players, yeah. which is great. But yeah, the the base mechanic of no pass fail, just figure out who's talking with what, and especially the three and four of, hey, you get to have suggestions or modify a little bit from what the other person is saying, very nice.
1: Great. So what you like about the game is the only mechanic in it is the
0: mechanic in it. I mean, that's not the only mechanic. There's also plot points and hazards. And spoiler alert, hazards are my least favorite thing in this.
1: (laughs) Fair. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing is how easy it is to create the roles. Uh Uh-huh. I like that there's a straight up structure for how to do it. Like pick two of these, pick three of these, write down a list of skills that make sense. You're done. And it walks you through with a full example. They make like the 50 style RV
0: dad. They make the dad from uh, Blast from the Past. Yes. So Christopher Walken.
1: Hmm. Um. No, no. It, I mean, it's close, but no. It specifically
0: says it says it is. He wants to make Christopher Walken from Blast from the
1: Past. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Except he's like very post-apocalypse and driving around in an R- in a super RV. Yes,
0: because he was like, oh, that dad had a lab that he just hung out in. Yeah. So because he we doesn't want to be. RV. <laughs> tied to a place, it's an RV now. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. Uh, I like the structure
1: by which they, they give you the uh, the advice for creating these things, and the fact that each one of them for the most part makes sense, fits into the world well, uh, and isn't so set in stone that you can't play with it if you want to. So mm-hmm. that, I'm going to say that's my favorite thing. Your least favorite thing, just give me any one thing in the game that's not hazards. Go ahead.
0: Nope, I'll give you hazards. <laughs> fine. God. <laughs> I Because going through when you get that here's 3D6 and you roll that, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's fine. And then we was like, and hazards, they don't take away dice. They just make it incredibly likely you don't get a high result. I was like, uh, the math on this is terrible because even a hazard one is like, oh, you're probably fucked. And a hazard two, it's like, it doesn't say you immediately get a one or a two, but it may as well. Mm -hmm. Because rolling three dice, one of those being a one or a two is likely enough mm-hmm. that if you have a hazard two on anything like, Oh, you just fail.
1: Yeah. You're going to fail. Or you're going to have to do the thing where someone has to be a sacrificial lamb and throw themselves out so that you can, you can, someone has to accomplish the goal while someone else takes a hit. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. I personally don't mind it because of that fluidity. Like if you're the only person in a scene, then yeah, they're definitely going to suck. But if you're in a group, you can be like, Hey, um, I'm going to take one for the team, especially given that characters. I don't even know if I, I didn't see advancement in this. It has to
0: exist. There's uh, there's no, I mean, this game does not have hit points. It doesn't really have advancement per se. I think
1: you can. The reason I say it has to exist is because they say that you can't, once you, if you don't pick might or magic at the start of the game, you can't pick them later.
0: Well, it's that you can't use them, period.
1: Oh, you can't use them. Not that you can't acquire them.
0: Well, it's not even, you can't acquire them because you can literally never use might or magic.
1: No, I get it. What I'm saying is that given that the game has no advancement structure, what I had originally thought was what you meant by that was if you get XP points or whatever we would have called the advancement structure in the game, which I've read this cover to cover, I didn't see one, so I didn't think it had it, that you couldn't then go like, okay, my character unlocks his latent wizardry with the one new point I get to spend in my in my styles.
0: Yeah, no. Um, Unless instead, you put a point in it, you just never get to engage with instead it. Instead,
1: the game just has no character creation.
0: There are promises throughout the book of future books. Yeah, although even then, it's mostly just like, Japan we'll, is a book. we'll do setting guides. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that was it. Um, but I don't know if this went on to have an advancement system later is what I was trying to get to. So, so yeah, uh, personally, I think hazards make sense. They they can definitely be a feels bad mechanic, but mostly they just encourage a style of play.
0: But what's your least favorite thing?
1: Oh, my least favorite thing. Well, I I'm having a hard time deciding. Um, w- one of them for me is that you was that whole thing that you can't even try to do magic and, but I guess that sets it aside. The fact that it, I'm fine with that. If you choose not to be a wizard, then you can't be a wizard later. That makes yeah. sense to me. If
0: you make a character and you're like, no, this guy doesn't engage with that, then you just don't engage with it ever.
1: And then my least favorite thing is just that one sentence entry he puts in there where he's like, hey, in a grindhouse-style cinema, uh, you get extra points if you get your tits out. Or in real life, if you get your tits out. I'm like, I don't...
0: No, don't say that.
1: at the year 2000, it's hard enough to convince girls to play this.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah. Which, you know, that's just... Bad taste is all I'm all I'm calling out. So I think this... Uh, and I also kind of have some issues with the hazard system, but it's already been taken.
0: So overall, pretty good. Honestly, I mean, given that there is not a lot of meat on these bones, the meat that is there is good. Yes. Like, I think it works. Even my least favorite thing of the hazards, I mean, like we said, there are ways around it. There are, if you're playing with people, you can kind of be like, okay, I can take the hit this time and you can do a thing and I'll you'll do it next time or whatever and like we said there's no hit points or anything so unless you're playing in
1: a situation where your character can be put into a coma or just killed then saying like I'll take all three hazard and just get knocked into a wall by the fucking ogre or whatever is I don't know I'm probably gonna dust myself off and be in the next scene
0: yeah I mean unless you're like oh we're playing in the grindhouse one Mm -hmm. and if on a one or a two then the fucking moderator might just go yeah you get pumped full of bullets and you're dead yeah (laughs) So, you know, for the most part, I'm like the fact that rolling a one or two isn't as punishing as it could be in other games. Yes. Makes it so that at least hazards aren't as bad as they could be because the math behind hazards makes them very bad.
1: Yes, it does. So there so, you go.
0: Yeah. Would you play this? Uh, I'd give this a fucking play. This isn't terrible. It's easy to start up. You know, making a character in it is pretty quick and easy, especially if you just go. I'll take one of the pre-gen things and just add a couple skills onto it. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, who doesn't like fucking around in a post-apocalypse? That's always a good time. It's a good setting. I'm a fan of that. Um, I,
1: I would play this for sure. Especially right? because I am always on the lookout for games where I can play them impromptu at conventions. Yeah. Because that's nowadays when I'm, I'm constantly traveling to conventions for for book stuff. I I don't have time necessarily to plan a bunch of, like, in advance games and set them up and work with a lot of players or anything. But I find myself with three or four hours to kill between th- various things. And I, if I have a, a slim book in my backpack that I can explain the rules of easily and slap down and start a game, that makes me happy. Yeah. So, this game passes on that metric for sure. There you go. All right. So, uh, that's Octane.
0: <sighs> Octane. Brother. Oh, yeah <laughs> the cream right The n rises to the top yeah <laughs> on balance off balance doesn't matter
1: so anyway thank you so much for listening uh please come check out our patreon we're gonna make characters in the game just like we always do for the two dollar level uh that's at patreon.com system mastery where if you support us at that level you unlock bonus content dating back to like 2013 there's so many there's fucking years so of many, content. There's so much content. You could be listening happily at your boring office job for, like, weeks
0: for a couple of bucks. Yeah. Why not consider it? You could sit there. You'd have so much to keep you occupied, and then someone would come by, and you'd have a little giggle to yourself. And they'd mm-hmm. be like, well, what are you listening to? And you'd be like, shut the fuck up and don't talk to me, because <laughs> that's what happens when you listen to our content. You get an attitude, and you're cool. Hey, don't you talk to me, Mr. Microwaves Fish in the break room. <laughs> fuck you, I do what I want, and then you put on sunglasses, and yeah. everyone's like, oh my god. Yeah, and then a second later you're like,
1: shit, I shouldn't have been mean to him, he's the one who brings in the Girl co- the Girl Scout cookie sign-up sheet.
0: <laughs> he's the only one with a daughter that does Girl Scout cookies. Fuck, oh, oh, I, I fucked I myself.
1: Everything. <laughs>
0: Now all I'm going to get is off in shame. I'm gonna get, all I'm going to get is that one person who comes in and their kid does that world's finest chocolate. Oh, shit. like $7 Scout. for a fucking bar of chocolate. Get out of here. Fucking Boy Scout popcorn. Boo. Ugh. <laughs> Hate it.
1: <laughs> all right. So that's patreon.com slash system mastery. There are other levels you can support us at for other unlocks. Why not check it out? Get the level you're comfortable with and listen in bliss to so much more content.
0: That's right. And you support the show, which is nice. Let's us keep doing what we're doing, keeps us afloat, keeps the lights on and mm-hmm. the Wi-Fi running and Jeff's kid clothed. Yep,
1: yep. <laughs> she stays clothed and fed in, in uh, whatever food I pack for her every day that
0: comes back untouched. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you can also help support without doing financial, but just by giving a rate or a review, telling someone about the podcast, grow us. And we shall pay you back with more of the shit we're already doing. Mm-hmm. And doesn't that sound lovely? Doesn't it sound lovely? Yeah. Don't so. don't you just want to go nuts? Aren't you tired of being nice? <laughs> don't you want to be Soft Boy Frankenstein? <laughs> I do want to be Soft Boy Frankenstein.
1: Halloween costume for the next five years. Hey, if
0: you're not if you're not paying at the ten dollar a month level for the afterthought soft boy frankenstein is a character you need to know about <laughs> pay the money <laughs> thank you so much for listening have a good
1: one